Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Hello, Tamarindo amiguis. What's up, y'all? Hey, Anna Shea, we're back here in the Zoom room. So uh, I'd love to see what pasa out with you. How's your week going? Um, You know, well, I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but you know how people say like January is the longest month of the year? 100%, yes. <laughs> I fully agree with that. But I'm actually feeling grateful for that because I don't know if this was true for you, but it did feel like it took me a few weeks to get back into the flow of like all the things that we do and all the other things I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, But I'm feeling grateful. We got the season kicked off. We had an amazing intention setting event. Um, I started doing uh, online workouts every day. I'm like doing I've been doing them like four days out of the week. So I'm just feeling like proud of myself for finally getting out of my like first week or two week funk and getting into the flow of things a little bit more. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been definitely a nutty January. I am also losing my mind because I have, of course, Tamarindo. I have a PR job. I teach a workout class and I'm about to teach two classes at the university and I'm super underwater. But here we go. Aquí estamos echándole ganas. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you have to celebrate those little wins, which is what I've been doing. It's like when I'm able to do something, we are able to do our, our event. I'm going to these classes. I'm like, that is a win and we get to celebrate it. <laughs> yeah. And I, if folks are listening and they, they missed our intention setting event, you know, let's let's reflect on it. What were some of the awesome takeaways or what did you feel especially energized about? I just love that a lot of people came. As we shared, the point of the event is to break from the pressure you might have to do all of the things. And, and a lot of people feel like that going into January, like, oh my God, everything I didn't do in 2021, I have to do it now. And actually I have to do it in the month of January. And so our the point of our event is to break people from thinking that way, but also like, let's have some space to come together and reflect on what is actually important to you. What do you want to feel more of this year in a way that there's no pressure? So we, I love seeing all the people that came out. Um, any reflections that come up for you? I was just pleased to see folks engaging, even though it's via Zoom and we we love the idea of imagining a world where their COVID is no longer a risk and we can be in person. Even though it's on Zoom, it was really engaging and, and it was beautiful to see so many people participate, so many people having their cameras on. So if you feel like you have FOMO that you missed out on it, Make sure you join us for any other future activities that we do. And if you have ideas like what we ought to be producing for you all, that could be a fun way to get together even virtually. Please, we're always open to ideas and suggestions. You can always contact us at our email, which is contact at tamarindopodcast.com. Yes. So that's other ways that folks can get involved. So yes, writing, still writing that wave, even though it was a little bit, a little while ago. So uh, I want to tell you about who we have today. It's really exciting. So today we are going to be talking to Yvette Borja, the founder, host, and producer of the Radio Cachimbona podcast. This podcast, it's like an evolution of an earlier podcast, Cerebronas. Um, so she, I mentioned that because like Tamarindo, we've been at this game around the same 
time and we're still at it with podcasting. Now, a little bit more about Yvette. Yvette is a graduate of Stanford Law. And before that, she went to Yale College. And so she's a badass. I know, super badass. Yvette (laughs) Yvette is now a staff writer at Balls and Strikes, where she gets to basically talk shit on law and call out all the problems that we have in our legal system. And the greatest thing is that she gets to get paid for to do what she loves. So we'll talk a little bit about her career journey, how she made this major shift to leave a career in law to now be in media and in journalism. It's super exciting. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And she's going to talk to us about why this particular configuration of the Supreme Court is complete garbage, as we know. Well, not complete garbage, because we know Sotomayor is there carrying (laughs) carrying it so much for us. And we're going to learn a little bit about what pivoted her career move. It's a fantastic conversation. And we also talk about our favorite show right now, which is Station Eleven, which I want to recommend to you, Anna Shayla, as always. I think you'll really enjoy it, especially about reaching and talking to your inner child. There's a little bit of that happening in that show. It's beautifully done. I will definitely check that out. All right. Well, hi, Yvette. It's so great to have you here on Tamarindo. Thank you. Hi, Brenda. I'm so glad to be able to reunite, even if only virtually. I know. And if only virtually. (laughs) Uh, First of all, I have to tell you that I was in Tucson for like, I don't know, less than like 30 hours. Way, way less, probably like 15 hours. And I did because of your recommendation. I had a Sonora dog, a hot dog. Ooh, what'd you think? Incredible. Yes, <laughs> Incredible. yes, so I good. love it. <laughs> I had to order two because yeah. I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> no, definitely. Getting to is something I do often. <laughs> it was so, so good. Thanks for that recommendation. Of course. So uh, on continuing on with this like fun sort of tone right now, I'd love for us to do our rapid fire questions just so so we can get loose here and get to know a little bit more about you. So the first question is, is there a fun show that you're currently binging or you're watching? What are you watching? Yeah, uh, I just finished watching Station Eleven on HBO. And it's, well, I think it's fun because I like I kind of think po- post-apocalypse shows are fun <laughs> just because, <laughs> just because I, I do think it says so much about our human nature. And as an abolitionist, like it is really interesting to think about these post-apocalypse shows and them working through things like, oh, well, our, our society has totally collapsed, but, you know, this person did harm to this other person. And what are we going to do? as a result of that. And that's like frequently a theme in these shows. And I really like, I just really love that. And um, this one is actually, okay. So actually I'm really wondering if this should have been my fun recommendation because it's not really fun, (laughs) but I'm I'm going to keep going with it. (laughs) You go with it because I am, I'm obsessed with this show. I'm waiting. I'm hoping you don't drop any spoilers. Okay. No, I won't. Two episodes away, but everybody watch this show. Keep it going. It's great. Yes. So I won't drop any spoilers, but I'll just say that it's really satisfying to watch because everything comes together in the end. You know, I cannot wait. Yeah. Um, and so in this one, it, the reason I said that it's not very fun, it's because it is about a flu like pandemic that know, kills many very people. Triggering, right? Yeah. It's a little, you know, I can understand if you don't want to watch it, it's a little too close to home right now. Um, but what I love about it, what's different about it from a lot of other post-apocalypse shows, you know, like 
Fear of the Walking Dead, for example, is that in this world, like, yes, all of society has collapsed, but there's still a group of people who are dedicated to celebrating art and culture and become this traveling Shakespeare group. <laughs> it's so interesting. I, yeah. I, I am loving that show. Me yes. Too. Thank you for giving that a shout out. It's such a great show. Yeah. Um, I guess onwards to shout outs. Do you have any other things to give a matraca to? Could be big, could be small. What else are you celebrating? Um, another matraca. Um, I think something else that I'm enjoying right now is um, I'm reading Debt by David Graeber. And it's really interesting to read the history of debt, especially when it feels like we're so far away from canceling student debt or canceling medical debt, for example. But it's interesting because he talks about how, like in lots of periods of time, um, governments have had to eliminate all debt and just start over because it it got to be where like people just had an absurd amount of debt that couldn't ever be re- repaid back in their lifetimes and people were going to revolt if they didn't uh, you know, cancel the debt. And so it's, it feels really relevant. And I would give a mataka to that too. Fascinating. Definitely. Abolish debt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I, I, it sounds like you're, you're like me. We're, we're sort of interested in these like heavy topics. Yeah. So how do you stay grounded when you're carrying all that? Like, how do you stay grounded? How do you reconnect with yourself? How do you find your calma? Well, I have a few like wintertime practices that I really like. Um, like my house has a fireplace. And so I really like um, getting a fire going at night, maybe a glass of wine and just unwinding with my partner. Um, also, like I we love TV shows and movies, but on those there are, you know, the nights where we choose to read and just like sit by the fire and have like a glass of wine are also really, really calming. Um, just, I think we get so much screen time that I think anytime you can disconnect from that for at least an hour is really, really good for you. That sounds decadent. I love this. I love this. That sounds yes. amazing. Well, that, that's super fun. And thank you for sharing all those great recommendations. So I would love for our listeners to first know a little bit about Radio Cachimbona. Mm-hmm. This is an amazing project. You've been running this for a few years now. How did it start and how has it evolved? Yeah, so my podcasting journey started when I did Cerebronas with my friend and classmate, uh, Cynthia Mesqua. And Cerebronas was really focused on Supreme Court decisions and uh, breaking down how the law impacts people of color. And Cynthia and I were in law school when we started that and we were learning all these things and basically just wanted to share it with everybody because we were so outraged by all the things that we were learning. And then um, I moved to Tucson and started doing deportation defense in immigration detention centers and um, wanted to amplify that and those issues even more and also wanted to have a space where I could talk about Central American issues and Arizona. Um, This is kind of like the meshing of all the things that are relevant to the world that I'm in right now. And so I started Radio Cachimbona and I do interviews of um, Arizona activists, professors, uh, organizers, students, people who are on the ground and fighting back against the state repression that migrants face here in Arizona. And, um, you know, I think there's something for everybody in Odio Cachimbona. Um, a lot of the focus is immigration, but I think if you pay attention, like the stuff that I'm talking about is 
going to be relevant wherever you live. And some people describe it as like a really great way to stay in touch with what's happening in Arizona and the borderlands without it being um, exploitative or, um, yeah, you know, exploitative in the way that a lot of mainstream news is when it's covering immigration stories. And also that um, it's about Arizona issues, but ultimately issues that are, are affecting people across the country. So that would be how I would describe it. Yeah, well, big matraca to you for that project because it is it is super awesome. And, and also, y'all, you got to follow Radio Cachimbona on Twitter. Yes, please. You've also got some amazing tweets, super hilarious <laughs> and on point. So like, I, I absolutely love the project. And you know, one thing that I think a lot of people would be surprised to learn is that the Salvadoran community in the U.S., in terms of percentage, when you think about the Latinos in the U.S., is the same as the Cuban community. Yeah, it's really We don't hear that story. You know, we don't hear the story of Central Americans. So it's also extremely important that you elevate that community specifically. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate that because my parents immigrated here from El Salvador. They were fleeing uh, during the 80s, during the Civil War, and settled in the Bay Area. And I've still never seen a story like that, you know, like you know, um, Hentified was about mostly about Mexican Americans in LA and didn't really feature any kind of Salvadoran representation. Like there was, there was two mentions and they were in passing and stereotyped and LA is home to the second biggest Salvadoran diaspora in the U S. So it just feels very frustrating that, um, even when like LA is the the scene of so many like Latinx shows, there's still not Salvadoran representation or Central American representation, like you're saying. Yeah, very important to to call that out. And I I know yeah we we're all kind of experiencing the sadness about Hentified getting cha- getting canceled. Yeah, because we're so used to this happening, where like a show is sort of picking up steam and then boom, canceled. Right. But I think it's important to also well, you know, here's what I always say: I want to have equal opportunity to criticize Latino shows. There's not yeah. enough shows for us to criticize, so it's not it's not without criticism. There's definitely some tokenism happening on that show, but um, but I'm so glad that you mentioned that, and I and I was happy to see you talk about that on your Twitter, which y'all should follow everybody. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Now, um, you've made some really exciting, uh, pretty astonishing career shifts recently. And, you know, a lot of people are calling calling these years, you know, the great shift. You know, people like I certainly certainly have made career shifts. So I'd love for folks to know, how did you arrive at this? First of all, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then how did you arrive at this decision to make this shift? Yeah, so I did go to law school and then I was doing deportation defense and then eventually went to go do civil rights law and focused on border rights and did that for like two and a half years. And now I'm writing about the Supreme court for balls and strikes covering also covering the federal courts. And it's, it's a shift, but it's also kind of a continuation of, you know, what I started doing with Cerebronas and um, continue to do with Radio Cachimbona, which really is just talk shit about the law and break down in an accessible way, how it impacts people. Um, you know, I was actually really proud of how 
I talked about my podcast in the interview process and um, I had to listen to the podcast and loved it. And, um, you know, that was kind of how I showed that I was ready to make this shift into media. And it was because I had been doing media for a while. And my takeaway from this is that if people like, if you have a side hustle that you want to make into your main thing, like just take it really seriously and eventually you will get there. Um, that's what happened. I like always took all the podcast projects seriously as professional endeavors, you know, even when people dismissed it as a hobby or like something else, I was like, okay, well, that's fine that you think that, but like, this is really quality stuff. And, um, I think that is what really helped make the shift into media happen for me quickly. Um, and I, I wanted to do it just because, you know, I'll be honest, like when Amy Coney Barrett got nominated to the Supreme court, I was like, what's the point anymore? Like, why would we bring forth any affirmative cases like trying to strengthen immigrants' rights or, you know, trying to win some things for the border um, when there's this, when the Supreme Court, like the, you know, which is like the body that has the ultimate say on on what I'm fighting for is so ridiculously stacked and, um, you know, not stacked with like, far people who are in the far right, uh, ideologically. Um, and you know, and like, I was always practicing in Arizona and it's like, I was just like losing all the time. It's just sad. <laughs> um, and it's because, you know, there's just like fundamental issues with our courts and the law is not written in a way that, um, is for immigrants. And I wanted, and I like always enjoyed talking about that more than I enjoyed actually practicing law and, I just eventually got to this place where I realized that, well, I deserve happiness in my career too. And I don't need to be a martyr. Um, I don't need to continue doing this thing that doesn't bring me joy and fulfillment. Um, I can do this other thing that does bring me joy and fulfillment. And I've only been doing it for two months, but it's, I mean, it's kind of night and day in terms of my mental health, just when I'm doing what I love every day and, when I feel respected and when I feel like my opinion matters, then it's like, that's everything I need. And I'm really, really happy now with the switch. Yes. And we're, we, we, the collective world, we're happy to have you in that space because it's another way to be calling out this shit. Like what you're doing is, is the same. You are fighting for justice, except for now you're on the side of where there could actually be shifts. You know, If we could change public opinion and, and Anytime I think about the Supreme Court, all I can think about is but her emails, you know, like because <laughs> because of the emails, we elected this monster that then stacked the courts and people did not yeah. think the long game. And yeah. we got to think about the long game. So actually thinking about the Supreme Court, you know, what do more people need to know about what what, what this this current configuration? They're wilding out out there. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, they're, they're, <laughs> this is not just conservatives. These are far right yeah. extremists. Yeah. Yeah. So what's at stake? What do people need to know about? Whew. OK, well, I think we've already seen how they're very aggressively going for abortion care rights. Um, you know, Texas has effectively 
had the right to abortion nullified in the state. And I don't want to discount the great work that people on the ground are doing, like Jane's Due Process, that are working to get people the abortion care that they need. Um, and, you know, I've heard stories like you know, of um, places as far as D.C. saying that they have seen patients from Texas. And so I know because this is the thing, it's like even if they try and restrict access to abortion, people are still going to get it as they always have historically. It's just a question of safety and um, really about punishing the poor, because if you have to go far away, that requires time and money that most poor folks don't have. Um and so that's a huge one. And that's kind of tied up with their really far right, zealous Christian beliefs. Um, they're also really into using the First Amendment in order to not just give Christians the freedom to exercise their religion, but really like impose their religion on us. Um, like they're, they, Supreme, the Supreme Court just granted cert on this case where um, a football coach of a public school was insisting on praying with his players before, uh, like doing a Christian prayer with his players before the game. Um, and the school was like, okay, you can't do that. We can accommodate you so that you can um, pray in private, but you can't like force the students to pray with you. Um, and the far, you know, the the people who brought this case mis are misconstruing the facts to try and get their win, and it's shocking for that reason that the Supreme Court even took it up. But it's just one in a lot of cases like that um, that are using the First Amendment to try and um, kind of solidify like Judeo Christian beliefs into the law. You know, when we're supposed to have a separation between church and state. And then also, um, these conservatives in particular like really hate the administrative state. So just like a lot of the social services from government that we take for granted, like the Environmental Protection Agency like, or the Department of Education, like they hate that. <laughs> and um, they want to be able to rein in um, what the administrative state does. And that also has a lot of implications for, like I said, social services. Um, and I think the other important thing to know about the court is that there, there are people who are fighting for reform on the court. And there's people who are saying that we need to expand the court because especially, you know, considering how illegitimately many of them were confirmed, like, um, you know, like Merrick Garland was blocked by Mitch McConnell. And then he, and then Trump uh, put three people on the Supreme Court and complete garbage. <laughs> they yeah. literally stole one from y'all, from, from all of us, everybody. They stole one straight up. Yeah. And, and then even like how Amy Coney Barrett, you know, cause like the whole, the whole reason that Mitch McConnell was like, no, we're not going to let you put Merrick Garland on is because of there was an election coming up. And he was like this, you know, the people should vote on like, you know, the, for the president. And the like, once the people have decided, then that president can pick the Supreme court justice. But then Amy Coney Barrett was nominated when like the literal 2020 election was happening. <laughs> yeah, complete it's, it's just like Such the hypocrisy. most hypocritical thing you could imagine um and so that's i think another important thing too and like there's actually a lot of prominent democrats that have come out 
endorsing expanding the core, including the Progressive Caucus and Elizabeth Warren. I love Elizabeth Warren. That that's that's who we all should have elected. Everybody. <laughs> I know you all should listen to her because she's talking about expanding the court. Yes. All right. We're going to keep up with that because that's something else that we all need to be paying attention. Is how do we? Because as you mentioned, like it's so discouraging. And I was my next question for you is like, are you feeling hopeful at all about immigration? But I think um, you've sort of p- painted the picture for us that like if the buck stops with this court. No, I'm not feeling hopeful. But tell us some some more. What else do we need to think about when we think about immigration? Well, I guess now it's time to criticize Biden. (laughs) Because, (laughs) um, you know, as the president, he has a lot of power. That's what Trump showed us. Did he not? The the president can do a lot in the world of immigration. And it's true because as the chief executive, he does have all, he has power over immigration. Um, And he can do a lot through executive orders. And, um, you know, there were things that he could have done on day one that he just hasn't done. Um, something that I just haven't stopped talking about, but I can't stop talking about is that Title 42 is a Trump era policy that still remains in place. And because of that, mm-hmm. the border has essentially been closed for years for asylum seekers. And it's, I mean, it, it's kind of like, why, why did we expect more from Biden when Obama was so terrible on immigration? But, oh, we know it's because Biden campaigned saying that he was going to bring asylum back and yeah. he's just done the exact opposite. And so that's the other thing that I would say people need to look out for because, um, you know, even even like folks who follow me, there's still people who have defended Biden and on his immigration policies in particular. And it's very frustrating. I think it's just because, I don't know. After Trump, I think a lot of people were fatigued and just didn't want to believe that somebody could be just as bad as him on immigration, that a Democrat could be just as bad as him on immigration. But that is exactly what Biden has demonstrated himself to be. And um, it's super, super disappointing. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating for those of us that are trying to be like, no, but please still vote Democrat. It's incredible. You're not well, making yeah, it I'm easy, like, Biden. Please. Well, I'm like, please, please do better so that Trump doesn't win in 2024. Like, that's what I'm yeah, worried about, do Brenda. Better. That's the message. Do better. Yes. yes. I love that. Yes. I love that. Uh, this has been so super, super fun. And I... Um, I think folks can take a lot from you sharing your your shift um, in your career. We're going to we're wishing you all the best. And I want to know where can folks keep up with what you're writing and where can folks find Radio Cachimbona? Yes. So people can follow what I'm writing on Twitter at Yvette Borja AZ. And then also Radio Cachimbona has a Twitter that where I post all the episode updates and any other podcast updates. The podcast is also on Instagram at Radio Cachimona and Facebook at Radio Cachimona. And that's where folks can find me. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so, so much. Thanks so much, Brenda. It was so awesome to talk to Yvette. Everybody, you got to follow Radio Cachimbona and all of her projects. So make sure you check her out. We'll, of course, put all of her information in the show notes. So, Anna, Shayla, time for our closing rapid fire questions, which, of course, we are not going to do it rapidly. Let's talk about it a little bit longer for funsies. (laughs) Why don't we start with, do you want to start with a basura for yourself? Okay, I mean, there are so many basuras right now. It's it's hard to pick, but I did spend some time thinking. Um, number one, I'm going to put in the basura Supreme Court Justice Neil 
Gorsuch or is it Gorsuch? I don't know, but he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm putting him in the basura because he um, reviews, refuses to, pay, to, to wear a mask when he is meeting with other Supreme Court justices. Um, he happens to, I don't know why they have this like seating placement, but he happens to sit next to Sonia Sotomayor. And even though he was asked to wear a mask because she has diabetes and other health complications and, and is at high risk. he should be a decent risk, human being, you know, regardless. Right, right. Period. Right. But like, so basically he has refused. And what that has meant is that Sonia Sotomayor is no longer going into the office and is having her meetings from, um, from her home. So he goes in la basura for me. Yeah. It's complete trash, complete, complete trash. Ugh. Now, what about your matraca? So my matraca, so I'm putting in the matraca <laughs> joyful older folks. <laughs> giving them a matraca, yes. So, How are we giving them? So basically, I don't know if, if you, I love, I love older folks. I love, I have a lot of compassion for older folks. Even when they're curmudgeons, I understand why they're curmudgeons. Even there's a, old people that probably have an issue with just my identity. I still have some compassion for, for them. Um, but especially joyful old people. I don't know if you've ever met like an older person that just like, it just radiates joy and she makes you feel warm and taken care of even when you don't know her. Yeah. Him. I mean, I've been <laughs> lucky that all of the old people that are in my life are pretty joyful people. Yeah. And so I was thinking like what it takes to be a joyful old person, older person, because to, and I was thinking, like, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? And, like, the things I came up with, if you're in a joyful older person, you have a certain level of detachment to your body and, like, what's happening to it, number one. Um, and number two, uh, you find ways to be present in this moment. Like, you're, like, they're just enjoying this moment that they have right now. Number three, uh, they seek to create joy even when they have a lot of loss and grief and pain going on in their lives they've probably lost they've lost a lot of people there a lot of their loved ones have either died or dying <laughs> and um lastly they've accepted what they are and what they aren't so that's why i want to give a matraca to joyful older folk because i know for me i've lost like some of my favorite people in this world and i've definitely noticed that it's just made me sadder and so it's something that like I've been working through with my grief um, and like what I turn that into as we age, grieving that too, and what our body is and isn't. And then as we are very much in our thirties, like what we're going to be and what we're not. And like the work that, that comes with just accepting that, embracing that, letting go, letting go of our ego in order to still have joy in our lives. So that's why I want to give him a matraca. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for really spelling out the lessons that we can take from observing the joy of folks in their older age and their, you know, what do they call it in Spanish when they're that? La tercera edad. <laughs> La tercera edad. Yes, let's, that's, that is a really great way to observe and to have some takeaways as we celebrate folks that, that do manage to find some joy through all that pain and all that experience. Yeah. So thanks for... For walking us through that observation, I think that's really helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a it, it was a reflection I was having the other day, so I thought I would share. Um, my calma is I'm getting into my routine. As I was sharing, the first few weeks of this month were kind of tough for me, but I just gave myself grace, like in figuring stuff out and writing my intentions and getting back into the flow. And I also came up with a routine that I'm going to try that I've been trying that has been working really well, at least for like a week. 
<laughs> so let's see what we say next week. But what I've committed to is every day I'm trying to read, meditate, and write for at least 10 minutes. That's it. Like 10 minutes of reading, 10 minutes of writing, 10 minutes of meditating. Like that's it. You know, a very low bar just to get myself because I know all those things make me happy. And sometimes when we think we have to do it for a long time, it feels overwhelming. But I'm like, no, just 10 minutes. That's it. I'm good. So that's one thing I'm doing. I'm trying to move for at least 20 minutes every day. And like if I, I told you I'm doing a workout class, but if I don't make the workout class just to walk, I walk for 20 minutes. Like I walk a, I walk our, our dog. And then the last thing I'm trying to do every day is like uh, completely unplug from my devices for, for 30 minutes. And that's been my routine and it's been working really nicely for me. So I'm grateful for that. Very cool. So that is my calma. Really awesome routine. And I hope that some folks can also consider adopting some of those. Thank you for sharing those as well. All right. Well, I will share my basura. My basura is a recent quote unquote win for the anti-critical race theory band, the crowd, that crowd, which AKA they're racist, you know, this is a win for the racist. So, and that goes in la basura. So a group using the misnomer Californians for Equal Rights Foundation, which they're basically against all of that. They recently won a settlement against the state of California, effectively scratching what they wrongfully labeled as a prayer. So with their actions and, and winning the settlement in a way, what they were have effectively done is they had an issue with this prayer. And this is from an article, which I will cite in the show notes from the LA times quote, the state's model ethnic studies curriculum included a poem that playwright Luis Valdez wrote about in Leque, which is an indigenous language. The poem is frequently recited in high school ethnic studies classes in California. And this is the line. You mm -hmm. are my other. If I do harm to you, I do harm to myself. I love and respect you. I love and respect myself. Now, Anishela, as a well-being coach, as a person that loves affirmations, do you have issues with this line? Um, I think it is beautiful. Exactly. And I, 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 I don't like... I, what is I, what is wrong with this? <laughs> what is wrong with it is racism, right? What is wrong with it is that these nice white folks, quote unquote, are, are feeling probably a little uncomfortable with anything even remotely associated with indigenous people, with brown people. That's what's at issue. So they say that yeah. this is a prayer, that this is evoking Aztec dog, gods and Mayan gods and that we want that out of our room. But really what they're what they're doing is just... Um, chipping away at the great things that the state of California is doing, which is that they were the state of California is requiring that high school students have ethnic ethnic studies because it, it should be important that we understand the different communities that make up our state, that make up our country. But there is a group of folks and you can guess who they are, have a real issue with anything to do with teaching true stories and true history about diverse people. So mm. this is real trash. In, in the settlement, these bola de racistas will actually get $100,000 to cover their legal fees for this trash lawsuit that they brought up. So um, it's a mess. And now educators can't use this beautiful affirmation. So y'all can read more about this 
in the show notes. And I thought these type of people were into prayer anyways, and like Christian and like, aren't we all brothers and brothers and sisters? Yeah, they're only <laughs> like, about a certain kind. They're, they're not about religious freedom as they're claiming through this case. Right. They're about imposing their values on others, as Yvette Borjas mentioned earlier. This is precisely what is happening. I, I don't see like what this prayer that's here, like why that would be against like, quote unquote, Christian values, actually, like if we actually look at that. So anyways, um, and I bet these critical race theorists are not also no, these, not these, standing these up for anti-critical race. These anti, yeah, the folks yeah, that sorry, are using yes. that label that are incorrectly co-opting a term that they don't even understand and using it as a as a insult somehow. Yes. Yeah. So anyways, these folks, um, I bet they're not standing up in the same way. I don't know if you heard about this um, uh, in a Spanish language class. Uh, people were using a worksheet that basically said, translate these these phrases from English to Spanish. And one of the phrases was uh, basically saying, um, if you like you are Mexican and ugly, and they had to translate that into Spanish. And that was one of the phrases. And then the other there was another phrase, you are American and pretty. Wow. And I bet you they are not standing <laughs> wow. up for the trash assi- Spanish assignment. I bet they are not standing up for that. <laughs> That is wild, wild, wild. Well, anyways, to counter that garbage. Yes. What is your matraca? My matraca goes to our friend, friend of the pod, Jocelyn Ramirez. She is la mera mera todo verde. But the reason I'm giving her a matraca, first of all, because I super admire her for having this amazing business of that has survived the pandemic and she continues to thrive. So I like her for that already. But um, she's my number one recruiter in terms of getting folks to sign up for my workout class. So, Jocelyn, here's your your matraca to you for being my number one recruiter. And if you all want to try some amazing vegan cookbooks, if you all live in locally in L.A., you actually want to try her food, just go to toloverde.com. They're a fire. So that's my matraca. Yes. And they are awesome for, for catering. Yes, yes, yes. And then uh, my calma, I mean... I am just trying to get it together. I think my karma will be to try to emulate some of the practices that you shared and to try to build a routine because I am so busy. <laughs> I am so busy. But, we you know, here yeah. we are. We, we, we keep on shining, y'all. Keep on going. We're doing it. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll be wishing you well. I know it's about to get even crazier for you starting next week, right? You start your classes next week? Yep. 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 All right, y'all. Uh, if you all like this episode, make sure you share it with a friend. Thank you so much, Ana Sheila. Thank you, Brenda. Hasta la próxima, everybody. Ponte un suéter. Hasta luego, y'all. Ciao. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. 
Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.